0: Welcome to episode 328 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark. Now, joining me on today's episode is a very special guest, someone that I've wanted on this podcast for many years, and I'm thrilled to announce it's finally happened. And not only once, but twice. That's right, you're going to get a two part special today, and I'm thrilled to announce that I'm joined by Frank Carter. Yes, from Gallows, from Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, and various other projects. But today, we mainly focus on his brand new album with Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes called Dark Rainbow. Currently, my album of the year. It's going to take a lot to beat it. I've seen some people out there criticising it, saying that he's kind of changed and gone a bit more radio-friendly. But I absolutely love this album, and I love the way he's changed, and I love the way that he's embraced it. And honestly, right now, as you're listening to this, please go and listen to the album. It's out there, go and buy the vinyl, the CD, or go and see him play live, because right now the Rattlesnakes are on tour and they're one of the best live bands out there. So I'm so excited to share these two episodes with you in just a couple of minutes' time. Now you might be sitting there thinking it's a long time since you've had a two-parter. And the reason for this is we recorded it over two days. As always, stupid little gremlins sometimes get in the way and your internet can cut out or have problems and this happened. Frank was based in the hotel on day one, the reception wasn't great, the Wi-Fi kept cutting out, we did the best that we could but we realised we had something special. The chemistry was great, we had been talking like we had been old friends and there was no way I was just going to let that be. So on today's episode you hear kind of 20-25 minutes just before it cuts out and then you can listen to the next episode, which is another, almost hour, which is the second day, and for me, might be the best interview that I think I've ever done on Mark and Me. A huge statement, but hey, have a listen, I think it backs it up. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, just before I give you those two episodes, let's quickly touch base and talk about episode 327. It was only a few days ago it came out, and I was joined by Jack from another amazing band, Dead Poet Society. A huge thanks to the band and Jack for sharing it, for all the people that jumped on board and listened. I really do appreciate it and it was great to see it doing some incredible numbers. But today I really mean this, it's something very special and I really, really just want to get to it. So here's part one of me and the amazing Frank Carter. Frank, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and me podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, what I do with all guests that come on, it doesn't matter if you're an actor, a director, a musician, but I always like to take it right back to the very beginning. Um, mm. I always, I'm really interested in, especially people that are songwriters. What was that first album you remember buying maybe with your pocket money or was mm. given to you as a friend or a family that made you absolutely love music?
1: Yeah, there, there were a couple, um, that are really, really memorable um one of them actually was um tragic kingdom by no Nova. doubt wow yeah. nice um, i received, i got that i think maybe i was maybe for my 14th birthday 12 or like really really early formative years and i got that and i just i just got a cd player for my birthday and that was the first record i i got um and uh yeah I just fell so in love with it i mean the record itself is you know a, kind of a masterclass of songwriting and gwen's voice is yeah phenomenal. so yeah that that's yeah that's that's up there that's a really fun memory actually like cheers for that <laughs> i'm gonna go listen that's to a that. good one and
0: uh <laughs> i saw they just got announced for coachella so i was like fuck like i really hope they now yeah. do like a whole festival circuit or uk tour or something because i think i saw them at wolverhampton about 20 years ago mm. And um, obviously, she's been very successful in her solo career since. But they were so tight, and the production, everything of that yeah. record, and everything, still sounds absolutely crisp.
1: They're an incredible band. I, I, I if any of them are listening, please take us on tour. That'd
0: be, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a dream can I take ten percent if they do this next week now and announce you on their world support <laughs> for the UK? Yeah, yeah, that's great. That would yeah. be unreal. And was there another album you said? I, I mean, at that age, you always buy those albums, don't you? Like. 13 pounds of your pocket money or you've saved up yeah. and you, you treasure them you make sure that you get that value out of it
1: the, the the first one that i remember bunking off school to go and buy um i you know and there had been many before this but this one was i was excited to get it was um white pony by the death oh, tone
0: i left one of my I favorite left... albums ever
1: yeah mine too Matt. and um i left school early to go uh walk down and get my copy and i remember when i got there I had had a cassette of it. My friend had had a cassette um, that he managed to get like smuggled over from America. You know, they <laughs> had this incredible song on the end of it, um, which was back. Turned out to be like back to school. Yeah. And, um, on the UK version, it, it wasn't present.
0: We were shortchanged. We never you, got we, it. it.
1: It was criminal. One was an opaque red CD, and one was a black opaque CD. So you, two jewel cases and. The the instead of a track listing, they just had the numbers, (laughs) the track times, and I was I I said to the guy, I was like, which one do I get? And he said, I I honestly don't know what the difference is. So I bought both, (laughs) um, and they and neither had this this track, and I was like, so then I had obviously had the CD, but I had this this cassette that just became like kind of like the holy grail of music at the time amongst my school, and was just getting copied and copied because I had this one song that no one else had. But yeah, they're they're
0: Phenomenal band terry dates production on there the drum sound everything about that record is it's it's my favorite deftones album and um it changed for me that was the reason i then started listening to corn limp Biscuit, um yeah. getting into new metal and then getting into all the bands like papa roach but then that led to bands that evolved like Frice and biffy Clyro, and yeah. it's all because of white pony like that genuinely changed my whole life and then when i went to see them live seeing chino i was just like that's the greatest front man ever like just he, incredible
1: he's, he's just like he's a forever inspiration but every member of that band is is a pure character yeah. and they and they're so i just remember from an early age kind of like being blown away at how relaxed they look was the thing that always got me they all just look like they take it in their stride you know I saw them at Kentish Town Forum 20 years ago and then wow. and it was amazing it blew like me and my brother went and it blew us away and then a couple of years ago they did a 20-year reunion at Kentish Town Forum and oh so it was just after time, download
0: wasn't it yeah, yeah on that Monday and the only
1: time I've ever called everybody I know in the industry to be like <laughs> who who is someone getting me into this I don't care who, I don't care what I have to pay, like someone and, you know, my really good friends um, sought me out, Andy Coppin, blessing me, and Cam, they got me in and uh, I was upstairs on the balcony watching and I I heard them start playing Be Quiet and Drive and I honestly don't remember what happened, but I just, next thing I knew I was topless in the mosh pit, just having the time of my life, like, (laughs) it was great.
0: Feeling like you're 20 years old again.
1: Yeah, yeah, not the next day
0: unbelievable I mean what I love to know about live music is where it started for you so I was very lucky uh one of my first gigs was at Wolverhampton Wolfram Hall and I got to see Green Day and my parents dropped me off um it was the Dookie tour um wow. which shows my age I'm 41 now but um my parents dropped me off and were like there's one condition like you go to the gig because uh, I'm only about 12 or 13 you know and we'll yeah. pick you up bang outside here you don't go off you know don't they're very you know stranger danger Mm. um i walked in and i think i think they started with she or basket case or something and honestly dude like i couldn't believe those three people on stage it was genuinely life-changing and i was like i want to be in a band for the rest of my life i just want to be like billy joe armstrong like Mm. this is unbelievable and um those were the days when you'd save a body pocket money You'd listen to the CD, you'd read the lyrics, you'd smell the inlay, <laughs> and I was wondering yeah, was, if there was a live experience for you that started it that was as cool as that, or if, are you going to be in, be honest and was it an embarrassed one?
1: No, I mean that that was it was it was that it might have been Green Day that was the first one that properly changed it. I queued yeah. up to yeah, it was it was a little bit. I mean, there were a few gigs before that that I got the bug. System of a Down at the Astoria, I was wow. like. I'm in here. Like I this is my people and this is what I need to do. You know what I mean? I caught Shavo's Plectrum. Yeah, definitely changed it. But I went to I queued up to get tickets when Green Day released Walp Down, No in And I uh I remember queuing and watching them play at um they played a gig at King's College and they played um In Virgin Mega Stores on Oxford Street, and you'd get a wristband and come back at midnight. So we were in the queue at five in the morning, me and my friend Michael Frost. And we got these wristbands, met all these people. Then we had to went home, went back that night at midnight to see them play and, and get our album signed. And I remember them playing uh, an Operation Ivy song, and that that's what changed it for me.
0: So you were talking about Virgin Megastore, and obviously those are the good days when people used to queue up for records and the yes. exclusive of like being dedicated to buy the album on release day and then get those wristbands, which I think. More record shops should do. I know people do in stores, but I just mm. miss those days of people queuing up on like a Monday morning to try and get that album before anyone else.
1: Literally, I was there. At, at, I must have been there at 5:30 a.m. Sat <sighs> on Oxford Street, <laughs> just waiting patiently for my chance to go in and, and and see the see the guys. You know, and it was yeah, it was great. Amazing.
0: So was that kind of enough for you then to say, I know obviously your music background has been a couple of mm. bands before your you and the Rattlesnakes, but was that your first taste to them? want to do it yourself or was it later on at college or, you know, at school bands? How did it work? Because most people I know were in school, like battle the bands doing covers mm. and all this sort of stuff. Did you go down that route or was it a bit later on? Or
1: No, I, I was in bands at school. Um, I never studied music. I never... <laughs> I couldn't play an instrument. I can barely play instruments now. I just getting to grips with the piano at the moment. But I was always a singer. My 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 gift was the courage to just go and perform and just be wild, you know, on stage. And um, so I had a few bands at school. That was and that was around that time where we were bunking off school to go and see bands and just immerse ourselves in it. You know, that was the heyday of the Mean Fiddler and the London Astoria yeah which were still two of the greatest venues to have ever existed and I, the amount of bands that i've seen there you know i i, I remember being in Kerrang, um at in a in, like uh, facing the crowd at paparochki <laughs> how
0: cool is that like
1: yeah it's wild isn't it um i remember seeing i remember going to see linkin park's first ever show in the uk i oh, remember wow. their street team and i went to see them and they played in in, in king's college upstairs and then fast forward like you know 15 years later or 10 years later and i'm i'm playing there with gallows and remember walking in and just thinking how surreal it was that to to have been there as a fan and to meet the band and see that and then to be playing there and like jumping off the speakers and,
2: and Is it I'm weird like, when you
0: like, say the words it's so fucking weird i went to see empire state bastard a few weeks ago and uh, i was talking to simon neal and I first started listening to Biffy Clyro probably 20, 25 years ago now. It shows mm. my age again, but they had the street team and you were really lucky to be yeah. part of this like group that would just go out and give flyers and put posters up and before the show, give out these things. And that's, again, it just seems like, a, I know obviously Facebook and Twitter and Instagram is the way to get the mm. word out there now, but the hardcore fans had the opportunity to be up close with the band, yeah. help them it's, out personally. It was such a nice touch. I think it's so missing you know
1: really do and um we're really lucky we have um we met this amazing woman called sarah rosa who was part of a a biffy street team you know we met we met her when we played with biffy Cairo in toulouse um she was just after the show she just hung out and said oh that was amazing you know we got chatting and gave her some records and she quickly became like a really like powerful presence to our band and formed this little group called the snake pit on facebook and that they do the work of a street team really you know it's really difficult because i don't think i don't believe like digital marketing enough i think i think i think it's such a passive and it's just it just never feels like what music was to me it never feels exciting enough and so i'm forever grateful for sarah and everyone aaron and everyone in the in the snake Pit who, who have taken that love for our band and made it tangible? Yeah, you know, like they gave me. A, they gave. I've I it somewhere. It's in my pocket somewhere. But yeah, <laughs> literally, I met mean, yesterday. She gave me a pin badge. that Literally, just is engraved with the Snake Pit in our How dark cool rainbow pond. yeah, I just.
0: I, I, I think I, it's a lost art. I miss I miss people at like uni shows doing a little fanzine and just you yeah. know it just being a printed out thing that people don't just click and read and delete. It's mm. it really felt like a homegrown, organic from the heart. You know, a street team is because people want to give up their time to help promote something they love. Absolutely, and that beats any fucking Instagram story or Facebook. You know, little video. Yes, yeah, it's,
1: it's got nothing at that point. It has so little to do with capitalism. It's yeah. got so little to do with how much you can afford and paid promotion, um, and it's it it happens because people love your band and because your music has mattered to them and changed their life, yeah. and that's why they do it. They they know that like those problems aren't exclusive to them, and if it's resonated with them, it can probably resonate with someone else. And so we we I, I it's it's such a trip for me because I always feel like. I'm in one of those old bands. Like I, I feel like my band is like is is thirty years old, you know, and, <laughs> and still has that mentality. Um, so it's it's always you know I was on the Three Eleven Street Team. Do you remember that that Funk Metal yes. band? I was on their Street Team, and I remember going on on message boards like Geo Cities and posting a tag to the album saying this is coming, and I and I got sent a, a signed copy of their album from Chaos. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is insane. (laughs) Like this, this works. Like, and that was, that was how it was. That was back in the day when they were really, really, you were in touch with the band and it was the access, you know, having access. It
0: didn't feel like a barrier between you and the fact that you could, you know, you're not paying meet and greets, you're not paying extra on a ticket to go and then meet the band. They were happy just to let you into the sound check or just, you know, Simon Neil. I told him how much it meant to me. You know, that team they do it's a lot of work, and they worked very hard behind the scenes. But look where they are now because of it. Yeah, exactly. Now they're it's unreal.
1: An amazing band, an amazing group of people.
0: And um, obviously, you started then doing stuff at school and college and all this. And you, you like you said, you weren't uh, a guitarist or a musician. You you knew you were going to be a singer. I've always wanted to be a singer, but I know I can't sing. So I was a guitarist in a band and a bassist. We had some success. We got to be on Radio One and play enemy tour and stuff like that. But we never. I never got the confidence to be a singer. And I always think to myself, How do you fucking do it? How do you do it on the days when yeah. you really don't feel like it? I mean, I've seen you at download, I've seen you at your own shows, I've seen you at festivals, and you always turn it on. You always push that button of I'm gonna fucking make sure every single person in this room moves. I'm gonna make sure everybody has a good time. Mm-hmm. But surely as a human being before you go on stage, you can't always feel like I can do this tonight. I'm going to have to put a mask on because I'm not feeling it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, um, that's a difficult question because it is hard. It's not always, it isn't always easy to go and switch on like that. However, I try and, remind myself of just how privileged a position I'm in, that that is my job and that's my responsibility because I'm certain that there are surgeons out there that feel the same way that have got like stuff going on in their life and they have someone's actual life in their hands. You know, my, my job is to alleviate pressure from people. Um, You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a musician, but I'm an entertainer. You know, when people go to see live music, they want uh, an escape and I can provide that in a in a in a in a safe way um so it's always about for me it's about just a recalibration of trying to trying to look at the bigger picture of it and and just understand that um i'm so lucky to do what i do i'm incredibly grateful to still be i'm grateful to be here talking to you now five albums in on my third band it's amazing isn't it no you don't get those kind of chances these days no no label is is in this game anymore for artist development? You know, I, I I don't. I believe that I'm here purely out of stubbornness. You know, just from, yeah. from my from my my Taurus blood, I'm just um, I just want to. And I've got more to give. Um, it's really it's really interesting. I was thinking this morning about, I don't know why it popped in my head, but I was thinking about um the twenty seven club. You know, just how far on from that I am now. You know, I'm 30, I'm going to be 40 in April. And I just think about how little actually there would have been in me, of me in the world and what people's perception of me would have been had my life ended then, you know. Like, this is a strange thing to think about. I don't know why, but I think probably because this band means so much to me and I've learned so much about myself and... The world and i've really been able to see how this is you know people tell me how this has changed their life our songs have helped them um so just i just feel really lucky man i just feel really really grateful to be here still doing this so
0: do you think it's always going to be in your blood do you think there's i know obviously you're a huge um tattooist and your heart is in that as well and you're you know as a creator as an artist there's all the passion that goes into that but do you think there'll ever be a day that you just think, I can't do this anymore? Because I don't I don't know you personally. Obviously, I met you today. I can see there's a spark. I've got chemistry with you. I feel like I've known you a long time from seeing you over the years. But I can safely say I can't imagine you saying, I'm done. I'm just going to sit at home and draw. No,
1: no. I, I, I love art and I love painting. I love tattooing. But nothing moves me like music. You know, my gift is words out of all of that. that That is truly like why I'm here. It's taken me a long time to realize that I had imposter syndrome most of my young adult and adult life, um, yeah. you know, and that led me down a road where I think I, I, you know, particularly through the pandemic, when we, I lost that immediate ability to connect with people and the immediate ability to vent you know the release that was shows. I went naturally quite deeply inward, and um, and then in doing that wasn't wasn't paired and just fell into all of the wrong coping mechanisms, and that that led me down a path where it ended with a an opportunity to get motivated to um, be kind to myself. To, to 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 learn about like okay what is actually what is causing me pain here and you know what have i been ignoring because like like you said you know that that ability to switch it on in my early days the switch on was blood yeah. i would i knew i could turn a show from being an okay show to having the entire palm and like the entire crowd in the palm of my hand and i knew all i needed to do was bleed Like I knew it It was punk rock. And I just, so I would just split my head open on whatever sharp thing I could find immediately. Like sometimes I'd wait two or three songs. Sometimes I'd get on and do it before I'd even sung a note, you know? And it would every time. So it just elevated it just. And I look back now and I think like over the decades of, of actual, that was actual self-harm and it was so lauded and so championed, And, um, it's it. It's hard to see that now, but um, that made me who I am, and and it really, I have I have a real care for myself. What I know, Mark, is that I want to do this forever. Like yeah. I, I I would like to be writing songs, in a fucking home. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> when I'm like with some of my buddies, and we're all losing it. And we're still... Back. I'll be
0: there. I'll be doing but, episode 2865. Yeah. <laughs> Frank's back. You're know. in the corner. We'll be down by the river. Yeah. We'll be, you know, look, like, and it's... I, I really believe
1: that that is... That's what I want. You know, I, I... I think about Johnny Cash late in his life recording Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. And the profound impact that had on the world. And I just And I just think, like, why wouldn't I want to be here as long as I can? singing and writing. So I think actually what, what you're about to see is me step away from most of my other artistic endeavors and focus on music in a way that I never have, which is wild to say, given that it's been my main career for 20 years almost. You know?
0: I, I followed all your career with Gallows, uh, with all your pro- projects you've done, but I'm not just saying this. Um, I've listened to Dark Rainbows for about a week now. I had an advanced copy and been listening to it on repeat. Mm-hmm. And I I swear to this, I've literally just had a text conversation with my good friend Darren. It's my album of the year and it might only be the first of February, but I can't see what can come along to top this. The moment I stuck it on, instantly my heart was saying, fuck, this is like Queens of the Stone Age. This is like Death from Above 1979. This has got elements of Arctic Monkeys. Again, you've changed the fucking wheel. You have not played it safe and just been the same band. You've evolved and my favorite bands are always the bands that evolve. So in my heart, Thrice will always be there as a band that I've just seen go from one band to another, but it's always Thrice, but no album plays it safe. Even bands like Paramore, I've got so much respect for that. They just fucking as musicians, as, as as a group of people, they've evolved and you've done it. And on this album, I truly mean this. It's your finest ever work it's fucking flawless and i've only had it a week and i can't wait to be in the car and listen to it more i can't wait to see it live Mm. that's off to you dude it's you're gonna
1: you've made me cry mate it's beautiful uh, thank you very much yeah i mean it means a lot it does it's like uh it's it's hard because like the weeks before i was just fielding such abuse from people that you know from strangers who don't know me and like ha- have an idea that i am a particular am one thing and they're just desperate for me to do that and it's as if i'm not valid as a human if i'm not doing that you know and uh, i try and sort of express to them that there's just so much more in life than hate um and while i'm good at that fortunately, um it's just not it's unsustainable for one person to channel that their their whole life you know um so, so it's really really nice to hear that, and you're not the first person that's told me it's their album of the year. I'm I'm always I I felt a bit skeptical, but I don't know. So many people have said it now. I'm like, oh maybe maybe it has maybe it has asked a chance to to bridge the gap, you know? And
0: there's so much crap and hate and like kind of trolls out there, mm. and you only have to see it with a band like Sleep Token, who I think are fucking unbelievable yeah. uh what they're doing is just astonishing and the rewards they're now having of selling out an arena in 10 minutes mm. and going to america and they deserve all the credit and praise but it's cool to hate them like it's mm. cool on instagram for someone to be like yeah well they're not the fucking same band they were five years ago and they sold out and i hate that expression i hate yeah. it and i've seen it for Foo fighters i've seen it for pearl jam i've seen it for, for Deftones. And it, it frustrates the life out of me. And I've seen comments, you know, Frank Carter isn't the same that he used to be. Yeah, no. But why would you want to fucking sit in the wow. same boat and never go to any other islands? Like, surely that would bore the hell out of you. And you can be the fucking person that you want to be. You shouldn't have to be, oh, I'll just play it safe and keep people happy. Like, it's- life, life isn't about that. No, it's not. And it's so wild to me. Like,
1: none of us are the same person that we were yesterday. No. Let alone a fucking year ago, you know? And and yet, I still am really the only person that can get on stage and sing Juggernaut and fucking mean. Do you know what I mean? And I do still. Like, there's there's as much conviction as there is to the way I sing Can I Take You Home or something like Golden Happening, you know? Any song from our from our catalog, it's mine, and you're gonna get it at hundred percent, you know? So I just I that's it's always so confusing. I'm like, you've 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 loved a song so much that you've missed the person, you've missed yeah. the you've missed the band, you've missed everything that's made that song up. And also, unfortunately, you've missed an, an opportunity for yourself to grow and you've and you've kept yourself and that's the thing I gotta remember is some people are quite happy where they are. Um, I guess that's not my, that's not my role though. Like if you're, you know, there's a hate breed record, satisfaction is the death of desire. You know, like I I always, I always come back to that, that record by hate And I just think, man, they really fucking nailed it with that title. <laughs>
0: Amazing. But I mean, you're not going to be experiencing the same emotions at nearly 40 that you were when you were 18. You're not going to be writing a song about uh, writing a girl at college, a love letter. Are you like, life changes experiences change you grow as a human being and what i've picked up on today's interview is you said i think you're a bit happier in the skin that you're in right now if i'm right in saying that you, you you've probably gone through the bad times to come out stronger and if you're comfortable with who you are now isn't it fucking great that i've read an interview recently where you're releasing the music you want to release you're singing the songs that you want to sing that you've written absolutely isn't that yeah. fucking beautiful and pure? Instead of our oh, record labels told me to write a three-minute pop song for Radio One.
1: Yeah, we could we couldn't do that. We tried. Um, it's funny because you know you said you, you know you wouldn't be writing a love letter to it is it, but it is it's a love letter to myself. You know, yeah. it really is, and um, and it will resonate with anyone that's looking for that, that's trying to find ways back to themselves where they feel lost. That's what this record is. It's, I, I lost myself completely. And this record helped help me find my way back to that, to, to an authentic version of myself. And it's funny also what you said about skin, because, you know, a snake sheds its skin all the time. Yeah. But it's still the same snake. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's what I think about us sometimes. Sometimes we might look a, a bit shinier, but we've still, still got all the venom, you know? So I can't wait to get on tour next week to to play these songs, because... It's going to be really, really special, you know, and I think that's going to... Have I lost you completely? There you go,
0: Just about coming back on tour. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the moment that the Wi-Fi went and we couldn't get it back. (sighs) Technology sometimes is a bastard, but there's something quite magic about the fact that we went home, we reflected on that interview, and we came back stronger for the second part on day two. Now, what I'm going to do now is instead of doing my usual talking about the website and sharing the episode, I'm going to say please just hit play and listen to the next part of this podcast because it's very, very special. It's there for you now to listen to episode 329 and it's part two, almost an hour. And as I said at the start of today's interview, I truly, truly believe it's the best interview I've done. And normally, now, you'd have the guest choose the outro music. I haven't done it this time around. What I've done is I've actually chose a track that is my favourite of the new Frank Carter album. So have a listen to it. Hopefully it makes you think, yep, I want to listen to more, and then go and check out the album. But first, part two is ready. So all I'm going to do now is say I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening to this part, and I'll see you all on the other side.